Hey, welcome to Fireside Chat with Pastor Rick Brown. Pastor Rob is out of town. He's over in Phoenix, conspiring with Charlie Kirk how to liberate America from the tyranny that's going on from coast to coast. So you can pray for those guys over there. I'm holding down the fort here. We almost were unable to pull this off tonight because one of the breakers in our whole storefront here was trying to go out on us, so uh, left us scrambling to the very last minute. We're going to have a little more time on this live chat tonight, so if you have, uh, you want to have a little Q&A, you want to throw some questions at, at me and stump me that uh, I have no idea to answer, I have no problem with saying, I don't know how to answer that, but if you have something I can, I'll give it a shot. We're going to be giving you an update about the pastors persecuted up in San Jose. That update that's been a saga, it's a drama, it's, it just keeps stretching out. I've been up there for three weeks in a row. But before we get to that, I want to share with you some good news. Don't you feel like just we have been inundated uh, week after week, month after month for over a year with some bad news. But I got to tell you, when God's people get together on Sunday mornings at God Speak or up at Calvary Chapel of San Jose or all the other fellowships and the pastors and leadership teams that have the courage to open up, when they gather and they worship the Lord and they share the word of God, and as we were able to, we incorporated baptism with our worship and message, all three services here. Check this out. Look at the joy that's going on in this uh, sister in the Lord's heart. This time, uh, Rob preached and set up this great message for people to follow the Lord. And can I share with you, 93 yeah, you, you heard right. 93 people got baptized at God Speak through three services Sunday morning. Three months ago, we had a baptism. We baptized 85 people. Here we have a couple of girls and their father, Timothy. This is Jacqueline and Janelle. And this was a special treat for me because their grandfather, Joseph Bondarenko, was a, a persecuted pastor that spent time in trouble with the KGB in Russia, spent years in prison off and on, and when they had baptisms, they had to break the ice on the river for people to follow the Lord in baptism. This is his granddaughters, and, uh, and it was their father, Timothy, his dream to be a part of this baptism with his granddaughters. What a special time we had with the Bondarinkos and the other uh, 90 people that got baptized this Sunday morning. What, what a blessing. God, in the midst of this, this is the good news, you guys. In the midst of this, God is producing revival. People are hungry for the Lord. They're reaching out. They're groping in the dark for answers. And when they come and they hear the truth of Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by him, man, it is a lifeline. It's an anchor of hope. And that's what's going on in these people's lives. Also, it is the only touch of reality, something, some semblance of normal that has been gone for a year. When they come in and people don't have masks on, there's no social distancing. Uh, I know by now we have herd immunity <laughs> because we are uh, just uh, getting together and loving Jesus and loving one another. What a blessing. It's just been a great time. So, hey, if you're in the Newberry Park, Thousand Oaks, Camarillo, anywhere in Ventura County, or even if we're reaching further out than that and you're able to drive, uh, we were joking as we prepared for this baptism because the previous baptism three months ago, we had a family hear about it from the live stream and they drove all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada to come be a part of the service and be baptized as a family. 
Well, that being said, we want to turn to the San Jose update. We were up there. I've been up there three Thursdays in a row. And this last week, we drove up in the driving rain, Pastor Rob, Bob Sitcher, and myself. And uh, I got an interview with Pastor Carson and Pastor Mike McClure before the hearing. And please pardon the background noise. We have a lot of pastors in the room that are having fun in the sense that they have gathered together to pray for the guys before they go to court, but they're fellowshipping in the background. That's all the noise that you hear. But look at this video and get a a sense with Mike and Carson. And then I have a video I want to show when they came out of the courtroom in the pouring rain. This one first. Hey, it's Thursday afternoon. We're getting ready to head to court. We're with Pastor Carson and Pastor Mike McClure here in San Jose. And guys, we thought we would get video before because afterwards it'll be like, there's bars. No, there's not going to be. Just maybe like a checkbook or something. But we know we have people everywhere praying. And so we wanted to give you uh, not only a thank you, but a shout out and kind of share with uh, everybody how you're feeling, Mike. Talk to the people. They're just praying for you right now. Thank you for your prayers. The, the whole goal of all this is just to glorify the Lord. So, you know, we don't want to be in there. You know, we, we don't want to try to get in trouble. But it's like the apostles in the book of Acts. You know, sometimes no matter what you do as Christians, you pastors know out there, especially today, it's it's going to cost you something. And so thank you for your prayers. Thank you all for, for praying for us and for um, standing in the gap. We need it. We can tell. You know, last week we were in the courtroom and we just sent some prayers of of the Lord uh, just answering those prayers and working in the courtroom. So I really appreciate any prayer you put out today. And uh, thank you for just your just your heart for uh, our church and just the emails, the text messages, the letters. It's been wonderful. Yeah, I'll just reiterate what Pastor Mike said. We're so thankful. Uh, we just want to worship the Lord and be obedient to what he's asked us to do. And we're so thankful that you guys are supporting us in prayer. As you mentioned, so many emails that have come through, text messages, phone calls all week. And so we're so incredibly thankful for all of you and the support that you've shown. And uh, we just ask that you continue to pray for us through this season. So thank you guys. So that's uh, their heart going into this. And I, and I want to really stress the importance of uh, the heaviness that these guys are packing. But with the heaviness they're packing, they have shared, and their wives shared, just as couples and the whole team there at Calvary, they can sense the people of the Lord praying for them around the country. They said it's amazing. It's, it's almost like they're lifted up and they have this incredible challenge, this burden in front of them that God is encouraging and elevating them to give them the courage to go forward. And that's what you see, just a a real courageousness to be bold for the Lord. Now, we went into court. Once again, it was supposed to be a very short hearing from 1.30 to 2.30. Each side got to give their closing arguments for 30 minutes and then be done and come out. Now, hundreds of people were there in the pouring rain and waiting for them to come out. But what happened is it extended. The judge just kept extending and and putting them, uh, put Mike back on the stand, and he had another chance to share his heart, why he's just, why the church is essential, why there's faith, hope, and love, and all of that dynamic that goes on in the fellowship. So he comes out, and here's just a a brief glimpse, because our our footage is not real good with this, but uh, you can get a feeling of the people, Mike sharing, and the rain that's pouring down, and everybody huddled together. Look at this. Thank you all for being here. Just to voice your support for church being essential and just how important it is. I think it's, it's why we're here because we, we know the difference that, that Christ has made in our life. 
and the difference that Christ can make in the life of our community. We know where hope comes from. We have hope in ourselves. Peter tells us that we need to be ready to give a, an answer to anyone that asks for the hope that we have within us with meekness and fear. So I've done my best job to answer why I have hope with meekness and fear. And I know that we want to see the Lord glorified in all these things that we do. And the hope for America is that we would turn back to God. Ultimately, it's through Jesus Christ. That's who saves us. That's who's given his life for us. out and he shares what the importance is of our faith and really being a light that shines in every community. This is what across America pastors should be the leaders. They should be fearless as Mike is, as Rob has been here at God Speak, because the reality is, is that if we don't stand, we are those who can experience, as the Lord says, perfect love casts out fear. The fear that governs people to keep their doors closed, to be muzzled by the governmental tyranny that is going on. Um, but the perfect love casts out fear. You see, for all of us, as it says in Luke 12, 48, for everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. You see, we have been given much and we want to take care of that stewardship. And for each of the, us, that's true. For us in ministry, for you and your life and your families. And um, what the verdict was, according to the judge last Thursday, he wanted to compromise with Mike and he wanted the church to compromise. And he said, you know, I'm going to take 11 days of these fines. Now, these fines have built up to uh, $1,700,000. And then Mike has $25,000 on him, and his assistant, Pastor Carson, has $22,500. Now, the judge set aside those personal fines for Mike and Carson, and 11 days' worth of the fines that had been growing through them simply getting together and having church. They're having church. There's no social distancing. There's no mask. They're worshiping Jesus and teaching the Bible and loving one another as Christians have for 2,000 years. They're not doing anything that is harmful to the community, though people will call them super spreaders and all of these different things. The reality, you guys, if we look at the statistics, even here in the state of California, the governor's office is unwilling to release the statistics on things here in the state. And there's a lot of pressure on him in the last few weeks to do so, because when these statistics come out, they are not going to be telling the story that everybody is declaring because 99.8% of people recover from COVID. Now, for those who have underlying health issues, we know it's an issue. You should protect yourself. You should, you know, be in whatever it takes to keep yourself safe or your loved one. That's exactly what you should do. But for 99% of America, we should be able to live life to the hilt because you see, it's just a flu to healthy Americans. It's like the flu. We don't shut down the government for the flu. It's a risk to drive on the freeway in LA to get to work. We don't shut down the freeway. And yet, unless we kind of get a clue because what was supposed to be a 30-day emergency order is now turning into a full-blown year. So, to whom much is given, much is required. 
Governor Newsom has been given a lot. Much is required of that. That's why the recall is that's been gaining momentum because he has not been faithful to the citizenship in the state of California by locking things down. Him and uh, Governor Cuomo in New York and what they've been doing to the nation. It's, it's unbelievable and really unforgivable. So when we look at these fines that have been levied on a church for simply meeting as church. Now, this is the caveat. The judge said, I'm going to remove these fines from you, Mike. I'm going to remove these fines from you, Carson. I'm going to remove 11 days worth of the fines, but you have 20 days to comply. From today, you will not <laughs> meet at church without social distancing, without mask, and you may not sing. Now, they have until February 19th to comply with this. Now, I'm not here, and I also know that there's a court proceeding going on to say what they're doing and what they're not doing, but I can only guess that they're going to move forward in the same freedom that they've had before. But I'm not there. I don't know. So they're going to move forward in the freedom because that's what you do as citizens in the United States of America until it becomes communist China. And I don't know about you guys yet, but I'm not willing to give up the fight. I'm not willing to go underground churches. So if we can fight this fight out in public, in the court system, in a peaceful way, and try to get to some kind of sanity, that would be really helpful. Now, having said that, the prosecution in this case did something that was, to me, not only... Uh, underhanded, but it, it was really unprofessional. Here there's an issue with the health department uh, levying these fines against the church. But what the prosecution did is they then went after the bank that the church had a loan with, a $2 million loan. Now, why this is so uh, relevant to the situation is this puts added pressure financially because they're going to put a lien on that property and they're threatening uh, the bank that they're not going to be able to, even if things are paid off, they won't be able to, if, unless they pay these fines, they won't have access to that property because the bank holds the note until the property is paid for and these fines are paid for. Can you believe it? The United States of America, prosecutors are going after the bank of a church that in a community is only doing good things that blesses its citizens. Can you believe it? It's, it, it's inconceivable. Yet, Cass Bank, who holds that note. Now, I was instrumental in introducing Pastor Mike McClure and the leadership at Calvary Chapel of San Jose with Cass Bank because I had a relationship with them. I invited the, a guy that I knew from their organization to come. They came, and so when the word got out that Cass Bank gave them 20 days and they were going to call their note, obviously all of us were deeply concerned. We were calling Cass Bank. Last Friday, I was on the phone with uh, not only the loan officer that I brought into the situation, but also uh, the president of Cass Bank, who you see here is, is Dwight, and talking to them about this situation and how uh, really... You know, to whom much is given, much is 
much is required. And they've had an opportunity in our Calvary movement to have a lot of loans. And so they came out today very strong. Many people called them. And, and Pastor Rob called them out on our Friday edition. This is the Monday edition. Called them out on Friday. And he also called them out uh, on Sunday and encouraged Calvary's not to do business with CastBank anymore if we can't trust them when we get into a conflict. And it looks like America has lost its mind, so we may have a lot of conflicts in the next decade, and we need lenders if you're going to get into the church lending business where there are good customers, they, they make their payments, you don't have to foreclose on them, and you, you have to have their back when we get in a, a scrap like this. And so Dwight has come out. Check out this in the Citizen Journal, this story. And uh, I, I love it because, I mean, multiple people have called them, um, and Rob called them out. And look at this paragraph. We have no intention. This is um, president of the, the bank president, Dwight Erdbrugger, saying we have no intention of calling their loan. In fact, we have extended them more credit as of Friday said Cass Commercial Bank President Dwight Erdbrugger to the Citizen Journal Monday morning after hearing that Godspeak Calvary Pastor Rob McCoy had said Sunday, churches should no longer do business or take out loans with Cass Bank. <laughs> now, this is... I can't rem remember a time or even think about a time in our universe where I would think this is our normal weekly experience of having these kind of conflicts. Honestly, I can't. It's craziness, really. But this is where we're at. And, and there has to be that conviction and that, that spine of steel that's willing to stand up to tyranny, but also to have the back of the people that are doing good things. It's not like Christians are harmful to their communities. As a matter of fact, they're the ones that are paying their taxes and being a blessing. Not, don't get me wrong, not that others are not. But this is the thing that people may ask us, and I, I've had these kind of conversations. Don't you think you Christians are just taking things just a little bit too far? Why do you need to meet? Why, why can't you just shut down for a year like everybody else? Well, can restaurants shut down for a year and survive? Can bars shut down and survive? Can strip clubs shut down and survive? Can uh, you know, marijuana stores shut down and survive? No, the big box stores get to stay open. Costco, Sam's Club. Walmart, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, all the big box stores get to stay open. But no, the little guy, he's got to shut down. And how's he supposed to survive? Oh, you're going to get a stimulus check <laughs> for $1,200. And you've been shut down for six months. I mean, get real. Is that really going to pay the bills? Is this, this weak, helpless effort? Now, granted, it's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. But it's, it's a weak, helpless effort to something that is falling down around people's ears when they cannot pay their bills. Now, are we the only ones as Christians? Are, are we the only ones that see something that is wrong with this? Now, granted, as churches, we have the First Amendment that specifically states that the government will make no law prohibiting the free exercise of our worship. We're the only group in all of America that has a constitutional right not to have a law made to prohibit our worship. And yet, what are we experiencing in San Jose? What are we experiencing here in Ventura? 
we are experiencing government overreach that is trying to limit our exercise of worship. And all we want to do is pray, get, to, get together, pray, worship the Lord, sing songs to Jesus, teach the Bible, see people forgiven of their sins, follow the Lord in baptism, and love one another. I mean, honestly, what is the nefarious evil act behind that? Because we're considered to be spreading the flu? Get real. I just want you to know that we are not the only people on the planet that are concerned with this. On the screen here is Justice, Associate Justice Alito. He, he's been on the Supreme Court for 15 years. He's now 70 years old, and he's made some public statements about this. The same thing that we're saying that has really perked everybody up. As a matter of fact, people have harassed him about it because you see a sitting justice of the Supreme Court should not speak because they say he's politicizing things. Check this out. Associate Justice Samuel Alito, 70, told a Federalist Society virtual convention last November that he thought the CCP, Chinese Communist Party virus, pandemic serves as a sort of, look at this, look at this, this is a Supreme Court, sitting Supreme Court justice, Pandemic serves as a sort of constitutional stress test. Do you guys think you've been uh, put through the stress test? Do you think the Constitution is being stretched? He, he argued that America has never, get this, America has never before seen restrictions as severe, extensive, and prolonged as those experienced for the most of 2020 and raise concerns over their impact on individuals' civil liberties. The rare public address garnered mixed reactions from lawyers with some criticizing him for engaging in what they say is political speech. But he says, virtually every substantive point in the Federalist Society speech was taken from one of my published opinions or an opinion I joined, Alito said, end quote. Check this out. Here is a Supreme Court justice that has said the Constitution has, is going through a stress test, and I would say in the state of California, the stress test, the Constitution, I shouldn't say the Constitution, the people that have made a, taken an oath to defend the Constitution against foreign and domestic enemies, the governor, the health officers, the county supervisors, the city officials, these people that take an oath to defend the Constitution have failed the stress test because they have chosen their opinions to overreach that their perspective in a time of the Chinese virus is more important. It's you put the pause button, you shove the Constitution over in the corner and let it collect dust while they, now the true authorities of our state and across the country, while they determine what is best for us. That's a bunch of baloney. For 244 years, this republic has stood, and for 234 years of that, we have had this incredible constitution that has stood the test of time. And the constitution, in its simplicity, in its brilliance, no wonder some of the smartest men assembled 
in the history of the world in one place, fasting and praying for three days to get over the roadblocks to put this together, and they came up with the Constitution of the United States of America. One of the most brilliant documents ever penned to guide a people as a shining light. And yet today, the individuals that claim that they know better, that the judge knows better than the Constitution of the United States, they should resign, they should give up their office, because to whom much is given, much is required. You either support the Constitution of the United States if you are in a legal profession, or you get out of Dodge and go plant pickles. Well, I guess you plant cucumbers, right? And then you make pickles. Go do something else because you're in the wrong business. And I'm just a layman that can read the Constitution. You know what a third grader could read the Constitution and come up with a better application to daily life in a pandemic than the uh, public officials that are ruling and reigning right now? It's unbelievable and it's unpardonable. Yet, as we go forward and we see what is taking place in our country, why is there this great divide? Why is there this big experience between us and them? Why is the country dividing? Because you see what's happening in America has been happening in Europe years before us. And that is we are moving from the Enlightenment age brought us into the modern age and now we're moving into a postmodern era where there's no, no emphasis on objective truth and reason. And as that takes place in America and people move away from that and people are becoming obsessed, those who want to put forth racial issues, they've become obsessed with racial issues. And they've become obsessed with these things to divide us into tribalism and to make the color of our skin some big deal where up until this point, the majority of us, it's not an issue of all, at all. We don't care how much melanin each other has in our skin. And yet they want to divide us and to destroy the nation because they want to push out God. They want to deny that the building block of society, the modern family, or the, the, the nuclear family is important, and that a relationship with God produces morality. We live, as we're moving, half of the country is moved into a postmodern era like Europe. When you go to Europe and you go into the churches of Europe, do it sometime. Oh, they have beautiful cathedrals. They're amazing. I mean, you look up and the roof's 100 foot up there and, and you think, how many, how many decades did it take to build this in this ancient time? And you go in there and there's no people. There's three pigeons up in the rafters. And there's five people walking around taking a tour of the building because that's the state of Europe. But it only takes the tyranny of government overreach to beat us into submission and to train us like dogs, when to sit, when to walk, when to heal, when to roll over. And when they experience that kind of power, and even the church submits to it, it's not long before the churches of America, their biggest population will be pigeons in the rafters. Unbelievable. So that's not the case right now. And so we would like it not to be the case. I had a question that came in. And somebody was asking specifically, let me grab it here. 
In regards to the pastors signing the recent declaration, I don't recall the name, is that starting to gain steam around the country? Now, several Sundays ago, here at Godspeak, we had pastors gather that signed the Dissident Church Agreement. This is somewhat of a declaration of independence, if you will, but not independence, but dissidence. Now, it's sad, but you think of the word dissident usually in a negative way, because a dissident is somebody that disagrees as an opinion or a belief specifically against a government that is oppressive. So we disagree, so people that are pastors are disagreeing with a, a government that is becoming oppressive, not only to businesses and schools and families and, and bankrupting America, but also to churches. And so there is a dissident church movement and a dissident church declaration. And this question asks, is it gaining momentum? We are having pastors on a weekly basis that uh, join us in a special thread, a text thread that is sponsored by someone. And, and as we uh, have those guys join us, we met some new guys when we were up there in San Jose. And up in San Jose, we, we had new news of pastors that are uh, experiencing these hardships. Let me just go through a list of them to let you know what's happening, not just here at Godspeak or up at Calvary Chapel of San Jose, there was one pastor that said he had been doing all of the social distancing, the mass. They've been meeting outside. His church had been uh, so detailed in the minutia of the instruction, and they had been doing it until it got just too cold recently, and they had to go indoors. The first Sunday they went indoors, they were fined $5,200 for that Sunday. The first, they were trying to do everything they could. And yet they were fine. There was another pastor there that that weekend before, he was meeting outside his church, outdoors, and the public officials, the, the police, they showed up and they broke up his meeting. He was meeting outdoors. He was doing exactly what he was instructed to do. Another one of the pastors, he, uh, and we shared this with the live stream, but this was in August, but just to give you a flavor of what happened, he thought, well, hey, I want to be obedient. I want to be socially distanced. And so they had drive-in, they rented this drive-in theater. They had 500 cars show up. Everybody was going to stay in their car. You can't get any more social distance than that. And eight police cars pulled in and broke up his meeting. He asked them specifically, what law am I breaking? The police officer said, we have no law that you're breaking. When the New York Times did an article on this story, the prosecutor or the government official there said, you must put, push the pause button in a time of emergency or pandemic on the Constitution. Most state of emergencies are two weeks to 30 days. It's not a year or it's now not indefinite. That pastor, the next week, he tried to come back to that drive-in theater again. That time, they find, the county find the drive-in theater, so they didn't want him back. The next Sunday, he went to a mall and tried to meet in a parking lot. Once again, everybody's standing in their cars. The police officers drove him off from there. The next time, he went to a high school parking lot, and the police officers drove him away from there, though they were socially distanced in their own cars, and that was this last August. He had nowhere to go when Pastor Mike McClure at San Jose heard about him, he said, why don't you come meet at our church? And so he's meeting there at five o'clock on Sunday nights at his church, at the Southridge Church. This is what's going on in America. This is what's going on in California. 
Now you might be, I'm from the home, my home state is Idaho. So that's not going on up there. So the people are just enjoying life really truly in America. But if you come to California, as I have discovered after only being here for 90 days, you don't feel like it's America anymore. Or if you go to the state of New York and you get off an airplane and there's National Guard soldiers forcing you to fill out their paperwork and you may not leave without doing so for COVID, you don't feel like you're in America anymore. How long will the American people stay silent and not step up and just be peaceful and protest to have a redress of grievances with the government. We go through the courts. We are praying people. We are a peaceful people, but we are a, not a cowardly, spineless people. And we realize that with our Judeo-Christian ethic, we have the goods. We have the, our First Amendment rights to meet we're not asking for permission. We have permission. The forefathers have given us permission to meet together. So we find ourselves in the courts trying to get forgiveness or that they'll actually obey the Constitution, but that's not the case right now. Well, for those churches that are joining the dissident church, it is a slow movement because I think this is the bottom line. Churches in America are asleep. Pastors are afraid. And I, I get that. I understand why you're afraid. And, and many churches feel like they have a lot to lose. They have a building. They have property. They have bank accounts. They have jobs. They have security. They have all these things. And, and, and elder boards and pastors are getting together and they're wringing their hands and they're thinking, this is all going to go away. Some pastors just said, hey, let's just shut the church for a year. Let's come back in a year, see how, where things are at. If that's the posture of the church, who is the leaders in communities in the United States of America, if the men of God cannot be courageous to stand up for liberty and freedom, who in the world will? Who will have the courage to do it? Who will have the guts to do it? Is it not God's people that have always led the way to liberty, first of all, from the bondage of sin and the fear of death in Christ Jesus our Lord, and led the charge of liberty that all of us are created equal in the image of God, and we are, have these unalienable rights that God has given to us? Well, that's where we're at in the state of things. I want to check, make sure we don't have any more questions. And if we don't, we'll sign off. And uh, all right, no more questions. So that's the live update, what's going on in San Jose. And um, be praying for them. They have a concert. If you're in driving distance, maybe you're tapping in from up in the Bay Area and you're tuning into our fireside chat this Sunday night. They're going to have a fundraiser. There's a band that's going to be uh, doing a concert, doing a fundraiser to support them. And this is what the church needs up there. It needs people to rally and to support so that the community leaders see that the Christians have a voice, that they are not silent. And so this uh, band, it's a reggae band like Rastafarian, but Christafarian, uh, Christian version of some reggae. And so it's going to be a fun happening thing on Sunday night up at Calvary Chapel of San Jose. So 
tap into their website, call in, check it out, and you can go and help and support. And a lot of people have been asking me from places that I've traveled, hey, how can we help Calvary Chapel of San Jose? Just get their address, send them a check, tell them you're praying for them. You can support them with your prayers. You also can support them with your dollars. And uh, what a blessing to have God's people stand behind you in times of need. Well, we want to send you out with the incredible blessing that God has given to us as His people. From Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you guys. See you next time.